We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, everybody? This is Rob from Striking Gold. If you found 100 bucks on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with MyBookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. I tried a parlay a couple years ago. It was Chip Kelly's first game with the 49ers. They played the Rams. I bet on the 49ers to win and cover the spread, and they did both. So my first ever sports bet was a win, and I haven't bet since. So I'm 2-0. So join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You pay, you win, you get paid. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Welcome, folks, to another episode of Striking Gold. Again, my name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com. And with me is my estimable colleague, my partner in crime, my co-host, Eric Crocker from Croc Time U and all that other crazy stuff he's got going on. What's up, man? <laughs> yeah. 
I figure I needed to mention that. No one's mentioned Croc Time U in like the longest time. I don't know if you're still doing it, but it was like really cool. Oh yeah, no, no, no. It's CTU forever, man. Croc Time U forever. Okay, okay. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. So we're coming to you. We're recording on a Wednesday. You guys are going to hear about this on a Thursday. So we're just a few days out from the 49ers' second win of the season. They are 2-0 for the first time since 2012. And they opened the season up with two road wins for the first time since 1989. And it just so happens that the 49ers won their third Super Bowl that year. So that must mean I'm not even going to say it. So anyways, it was a good game, and, and that's an understatement. Well, I mean, uh, uh, it, it was a it was a dominant game. I don't think it was a game like that was good, like <laughs> fun to watch. Well, it was no, fun, no, no, no. fun to watch. That's not what I meant. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that was an ass kicking. It was in every way, shape, or form. And what's funny is the score was the final score was forty-one to seventeen. So that doesn't even seem close, obviously. But it wasn't even that close. It wasn't even uh, that close. John Ross scored a a big touchdown with like I think forty-five seconds left of the game. The 49ers had started to put in their backups, and it, you know he caught like a fifteen-yard dig and took it to the house with his speed, and that gave them you know their seventeen rather than ten. So it was utter domination by the 49ers. But before we get into all the positives that Croc and I are going to have, the first thing that needs to be said is the 49ers did lose starting left tackle Joe Staley. Um, Not for the season. He's down, but he's not out. But they did lose Joe Staley to a fractured fibula, which is, if you don't know, your leg kind of splits into two bones as it goes down your shin. Uh, The fibula is the one on the outside. And it was a little bit of friendly fire. I believe it was Raheem Mostert kind of was coming around, running right behind Joe Staley and kind of kicked Joe Staley's leg as he went by. And that was enough to fracture it. Now, the 49ers believe it is only, and I say only because at least it's not season ending. Uh, they right. believe it's only six to eight weeks recovery. It, I don't, I'm normally not like this at all, but knowing Joe Staley, He's already just a freak, if you know anything about the guy. He's a left tackle that could play tight end if he wanted to. He's just a freak athlete. It would not surprise me. Well, he was a tight end in college. Right, right. And that's what made me say it. He's just a a crazy athlete. I think he even even used to be a sprinter at some point, like going way back. But (laughs) he – I wouldn't surprise – it wouldn't surprise me if he's like flirting with coming back like four or five weeks. You know, it, it, it just wouldn't surprise me if that started to get talked about. The, are the 49ers going to want to rush him back? I think that kind of depends on what's going on on the field. Oh, we got uh, to have him ready for this playoff push. Right. Is that, I mean, is that, is that where we're going? It, it might seem that way. I mean, we can get into that as we as we kind of talk next week. But So you had to, any takeaways from the 49ers beatdown of the Bengals had to start with that. You just had to get that out of the way. It's really one of the only bad things we can talk about. I can think about one other thing that I know I wrote about, but um, what what jumps to your mind, Croc, as like the most positive takeaway from from that beatdown? Well, I, I think this is the second time that the 49ers made a team look really bad and really changed the perspective of that team. You know, um, the, the about Buc- 2017 Jags, aren't you? Well, no, no, no. I mean, just just the second time this year. So you know, the 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 Buccaneers. You know, it was a winnable game. 
um, 49ers handled them. And I think people were just like, oh, the Buccaneers, they're just awful. They're the, they're the worst team in the NFL. And then they go out and beat the Panthers, and people are like, oh, okay, well. Well, and yeah, the Bucks yeah. had a lot of a lot of momentum yeah. for them. You know, they got Arians. You know, I think a lot of people were ready to kind of believe they'd be a lot better. And forty nine right. came out and put a hurt. Well, yeah, I think they will be. I think they have a good coaching staff. But you know, the the narrative after the forty ers just you know beat them down was this is just the worst team in the NFL. Then they go out and beat the Panthers. Well, the Bengals, the narrative was, oh, 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 you know, watch out. They just barely lost to the Seahawks, and it was a really good game, and it was on the road, and and he done through for four hundred yards and. 49ers have to go play, and then the 49ers just beat them down, and then the narrative changed again for them. Like, well, you know, well, when uh, really, right. maybe, maybe the 49ers just aren't bad. Right. I'm glad you said that too, because both in both cases, to your point, people were like, "Oh, I think the Bengals are going to come out on fire this year." You know, it's Jameis Winston's like contract year; he's got to play great. You know, they got all these weapons. Chris Godwin's coming into his own. You know, they got Joe Mixon on his second year. Uh, Bruce Arians coming in, bringing his coaching staff. They're going to be good. And then when the 49ers beat him pretty handedly, I mean, it was close for a while. Then it became, oh, well, it's just the Buccaneers. Right. You know what I mean, it's, it's just the Buccaneers. Of course. And if you remember pregame, just what the receivers were going to do to the Niners, and the Niners couldn't guard those guys. And next thing you know, oh, you yeah. Know. Dude, there was that, yeah. there was that, that screenshot of Adam Rank, the fantasy guy for NFL, and he mm-hmm. was like starting all the Buccaneers wide receivers. <laughs> like it was Mike right. and Chris Godwin. And then I think he was like even starting the Buccaneers defense or something like that. Like it was, I know there was more than just two Buccaneers in his lineup. And no, it was James Winston, uh, Godwin. That's it was. There you go. It was Winston, Godwin, um, Evans. And like one other guy, like maybe like could have been Ray Howard or something, or you know, it, it, there it, there was, or maybe it was their defense. It was it, there was like one other, right? Uh, thing. But that changed quick, so it was a matter of perception. Like everybody was ready to to hitch their wagon on the on the Buccaneers until the 49ers beat them down. And the week, like you were saying, the week leading up to the 49ers, everybody was talking really well about the Bengals because they went up to Seattle and and almost beat the Seahawks. They lost by one point, and they had a lot of opportunities to win that one too. They just had too many turnovers. So you know, everybody was ready to believe in the Bengals, and then the 49ers come out and absolutely demolish them. And I'm I'm saying if you didn't watch this game, which I'm sure you've at the very least heard the highlights or heard the highlights, seen the highlights, it was one of the most lopsided games I've seen in a long time. I even had a, I had a buddy who I teach with who's, I wouldn't say he's a Niner fan, but he follows him because he knows I cover him and stuff. And he's like, dude, I didn't even want to watch the game anymore. I just kind of went to go find another game because it was just a beatdown. It was almost boring how, how right. badly they were beating him. So it was interesting. And, if, and just to kind of encapsulate this, uh, the 49ers generated 571 total yards of offense, which is – Unreal. That's about 200 yards more than what you probably the average is. The fourth um, most in 49er team history. Right. And if you think about the, the 49ers offensives that they fielded in the past, even whether it was with Colin Kaepernick, uh, Steve Young, Joe Montana, and all the superstars that come with him, like that's crazy. The fourth most in team history with a team that a lot of people are, you know, are kind of writing off. They're still writing off. I can't, I don't know who it was, but there was that clip going around Twitter earlier today of the guy who, of all the two and O teams, he circled the 49ers. as like the pretenders, the, the, the not really. It was, Clark. It was Ryan Clark. It, right. it, this is my thing about that, which um, I, I'm probably going to say, I'm, I'm going to wait just like I did with the Bengals guys. And I started kind of trolling them during the games um, about their take <laughs> on that, uh, on Matt Breda. I kind of have fun with that, but, you know, it, what was like, their take on Matt Breda? 
Oh, well, one of the guys from the uh, Bengals, uh, one of the podcasts, and, you know, he said uh, it was like one of the sideline reporters, He or there's two of them, and they have a podcast together. Well, one said, yeah, Matt Brady is a really good running back. And the other guy, like, just started laughing at him. And he was like, really good? Like, who who are these guys, and who is he, and yada, yada, yada. And the guy was like, well, no, he like you know, he's fast. He does this very well. And the other guy was kind of giving – uh, Brady a lot of props, and the other guy was just—I mean, he just wasn't having it. So um, I, I did... watched the game. Hmm. I said, I wonder if you watched the game and saw. Oh it. no, he yeah. no, he he did watch because I started tweeting him during the game when uh-huh. right when uh, Brady uh, he had three carries for about twenty-four yards. I started tweeting him. I said, hey, uh, you know, he's really good. <laughs> you know, watch out or whatever. Right. Did you reply to any of them? Yeah, he was replying, and then um, he was responding. He wasn't too thrilled, I don't think. And then when Breda had that crazy Barry Sanders-like run, I said, uh, that was a really good run. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm just like trolling them. And he's like, name, he was like, name, he was like, there's only eight really good running backs in the NFL and name name your top five running backs. And I was like, Breda, 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 Breda. Like, uh-huh. you know, like, and I put like the little dialogue meme, but um, I, I just had a lot of fun with it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Ryan Clark. 10.1 yards per carry. Right. So it's a first down every time he touches the ball, dude. That's crazy. Right. That's so, not happen. So Ryan Clark is a, uh, you know, he's a Pittsburgh Steeler. And, I, I mean, he, I, I don't think I would have taken offense to it until he said basically that the Bills should be over the 49ers. And I'm like, I mean, the, the Bills have beaten – and I know I'm not saying that who the 49ers have beaten are like great teams, but the Bills beat the New York Jets, like uh, all right, and they beat the all New right. York Giants, you know. And you have the 49ers who did something that was extremely difficult, you know, went on the road and won two games um, handily, both of them. They spent the entire time away from home, right, on the East Coast, and right. and. Like the 49ers are the ones that you call pretenders and say that the Bills should be ahead of the 49ers. I, I kind of thought that was a little weird. And to me, I mean, even when you watch the Bills, I mean, they were down 17-0 to the to the uh, they were down 17-0 to the Jets, um, and, and they kind of like came back late and and you know won by like one point. No, they were down like 16-0 or something like that, but they won by one point. Um, it wasn't like they did anything handedly. So, you know, just I'm nitpicking, but just to say that the Bills should be over the 49ers, that was the one thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I, I'm pretty sure I have some uh, some stuff ready to tweet to Ryan Clark. Well, to me, it's like I'm not I'm not in any way crowning the 49ers. They still have a lot to do to prove that they're right. a, a playoff contending team, you know, and a playoff contending team can be seven and nine, eight and eight, you know, cause, cause really that, that means you were just one or two wins away from, from being in the show. So, you know, it's, I'm not ready to crown them at, at, with that yet, but at the same time, like we were saying earlier, everybody was trying to act like the, the Buccaneers or the Bengals were decent teams before the 49ers played them. And now after the 49ers play them, they're ready to say that, you know, these are just crappy teams. So, you know, I think, I think it has a little bit to do with the 49ers beating mediocre teams, which you have to do in order to compete. You have to do. Or, 
and it has a little bit to do with the fact that you just have to consider a little bit of the context that's come along with the 49ers, especially last year, because the 49ers, uh, they lost a close one to the Vikings in a year where the Vikings were a lot stronger than they are now. Um, they lost uh, or they beat the Lions and then they were right there with the Chiefs. Um, you know, the, the Chiefs were kind of putting it on them in the beginning, but anybody who watched that game was the 49ers were coming back. And um, C.J. Beathard scored on the very next play after Garoppolo got knocked out, which was probably the same play call that Shanahan was about to call for, for Garoppolo had he not got hurt. So it was like it was just a matter of, you know, and then you lose your starting quarterback, everybody in the NFL is going to struggle. So I think that the 49ers are better this year than they are last year, if you remove the Garoppolo from the equation. But I still think that they would have been decently competitive last year had they had their quarterback. So it's not I'm not right. sitting here shocked that the 49ers are out here putting on a show when the past two seasons arguably have been, you know, seasons that are full of context and stuff you have to consider as to why they're not competing. You know, 2017, you know, when you're dealing with Hoyer, Beathard, you know, all that stuff is one thing. And then last year when you lose your starting quarterback, that's all the context you need when it comes to success. So, but anyways, um, I think the 49ers are, you know, and to kind of project here a little bit, you know, the 49ers are two and zero right now. They're about to face the Steelers that don't, don't have their starting quarterback, but we'll see how that goes. And then they face the Browns after that on Monday night football, still at home at Levi stadium. So, you know, I, I, it'll be interesting and I'm, and I'm knocking on wood. I've got, you know, I've got wood right here that to see what the outlook of the team will be if by some way they managed to go four and zero and beat all these teams because they're all winnable games. You know, I don't think the, the Steelers or the Browns have really shown anything to say, Oh, the 49ers don't have a shot. So, but anyways, more on the Bengals, the 49ers to me, my first main takeaway was just Shanahan, just putting on an absolute show. Like the play calling was just unreal. And it was, there was still Garoppolo was still making some throws that seemed challenging, but he was also making some throws that were just, of course you'd throw it to that guy. Shanahan probably told him to like that. That one, a good one was just, how often do you see that? If, and if you haven't seen the play, it was on the 49ers first drive of offense. You know, it was basically a play where Garoppolo rolled out to the right and they had a couple routes kind of going to the right. Everything about the play looked like it was going to the right. Garoppolo was lined up tight, right. And he kind of just immediately made a left turn and kind of weaved his way through the traffic of the offensive, defensive linemen, linebackers, leaked out to the left side and up the field. And there was nobody within 15 yards of the guy. I took a screenshot and tweeted it and just laughing about it because it was just Marquise Goodwin running into the end zone and you could not even see a Bengals defender. So whenever stuff like that happens, you know it's you can give a little bit of a nod to Kyle Shanahan. The 49ers were just going nuts. They rushed for 259 yards on the ground between mostly Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert. Jeff Wilson got a little bit of a burn too, especially near the end zone. They averaged 6.2 yards per carry between their entire backfield. Jimmy Garoppolo threw for almost 300 yards, completed 68% of his 25 passes, for three touchdown and an interception. Um, so it was, I mean, what, what else do you need to say? It was, it was just nuts. You know, it was yeah, Sh- nuts. Shanahan basically getting to do everything and anything that he wanted to. No, yeah. It, it, it was a beat down there. I, I thought that was probably, uh, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars game from 2017. That was a, that was a game where Shanahan, he was dialing up some things and, um, uh, you know, 49ers played very well. I, I, I thought just when you talk about game plan, from a game plan uh, standpoint, 
that was probably the other game that where I think Shanahan was just better than his opponent, like just way better. Like it was just noticeably better than his the team he was playing against. But yeah, I guess the Bengals. I mean, not only was Shanahan on, but I think everybody else was on too. It, it seemed like we got everyone's best game. Um, you know, as far as you know, all all the Forty Nine er players. It, it was just, I mean, the offensive line was moving as one. And I think it was a lot of things that you want to see from your team in year three. Um, I, I don't think it was a fluke as far as, like, maybe the score, but just how they played. Um, I, I'm not surprised. I, I think that that's where the 49ers are heading. I, it's a very talented team. And, and, and I've said it. I've said it on the podcast before where – this is a team now where if this team doesn't win, it's on Kyle Shanahan because the team is very talented. There's talent on both sides of the field. Now, do we need to figure out, you know, okay, you know, the receiver situation and kind of get that thing going? Yeah. But outside of that, there's talent all over, guys with kind of proven resumes. So now it's just get these guys to play week in and week out and get them ready. It's on the coaching staff, and if they can I'm not saying, you know, they'll put up 41 points a week, but who, who who's to say that they can't score 28, 29 points a game? And, I mean, this defense is very talented. Um, I, I really like what I'm seeing from the 49ers right now. and um, Yeah, that was a beatdown. I'm curious <laughs> to see how they carry that over to the Steelers game. Well, I think we'd be doing them a disservice if we, if we kind of moved on without talking about the defense. Well, actually, before we get into the defense, which we will, like I just said, I want to hear what you have to say about Debo Samuel because the last time you and I were on this podcast, you said that I, you know, I was encouraged by the, the few little passes that Debo caught against the Buccaneers, but I'd like to see the 49ers start utilizing him in a way that was a little closer to what they did when he was in South Carolina. You know, short passes, slants, screens, uh, whatever you got. And, and it really seemed like the 49ers listened to the Strike and Gold podcast because they were a lot more receptive to kind of making him look like the Debo Samuel out of college in this game. And Debo Samuel ended up with, with seven targets, five receptions, 86 yards, a touchdown, and his, his longest play was 39 yards. So what would you think of that, man? Yeah, man, I, I love how they you know used him. I, I think I tweeted during the game as well. Like, man, I really love how they – have used Debo Samuel right now. Um, and really, he was a drop ball away from having over 100 yards. It was good, man. Like, you know, it, it was good. And I think it can, like, you can build off of that, you know. Um, I really wanted to see them hit him with a deep crosser, and they did. He had a nice catch and run on that. Um, that screenplay where they faked this way, they came back that or they threw it to Pettis, and then Pettis, and then they threw it back the other way. And, I mean, he just... I, I would like to see the miles per hour on that play because, the, I mean, dude is flying down the sideline. Continue, continue to get him involved, continue to build his confidence, continue to give him layup plays that we know, you know, we're just trying to get the ball in his hands. And um, I, I don't see why, you know, you can't get him seven touches a game. That That's what I would do, whether it's five catches and two runs or three runs, four catches, whatever the situation is, he, he should have – he should have seven touches per, per game. And we've seen that every time he gets the ball in his hands, he's he's doing something pretty good with it for the most part except for that. Well, Fumble. what I like too is that, you know, 
Debo Samuel's stature, you know, the guy's like right around six feet, maybe a little under six feet. He's over 200 pounds. Uh, if somebody told you he was a running back, you would completely believe him. He just, you know, <laughs> right. he's a real. He's bigger than our running backs. <laughs> right, right. He's got a real solid base. You know, he's got big legs. He runs with a lot of power. And that's what I liked about what I saw is like when he got the ball, he wasn't timid whatsoever. He was coming downhill, and if there was somebody in his way, he, you know, he just he didn't look like he had a problem with contact. He's not. He doesn't seem like a diva at all. He doesn't even really, you know, he's incredibly quick, but he just, you could tell what the way he was running. He was just waiting for somebody to step in front of him. You know, he was, he was enjoying it. So it's, you know, and, and that's a good thing to have in your tool bag, a, a play where, you know, maybe the, the inside run in, isn't working that great. And you know that the quarterback can just get the ball, throw it outside. You know, you get one good block from a wideout, which the 49ers receivers uh, usually do a pretty good job of blocking. And you get one good block and, and Debo Samuel could go for 10 or more. And, he, and he's right. so good after the catch that, you know, there's, it's just nice that you have another a receiver that can do that. And the 49ers don't really have another receiver to me at least, that holds those qualities. You know, they're fast, they're quick, um, but Debo's just a little bit different in that regard as, as far as his physicality and just somebody you're fine with, you know, giving the ball to and seeing what they can do after the catch. Now, he has had – he did have quite a bit of fumble. I think he had six fumbles throughout his college career, three years, and he fumbled last game uh, against the Buccaneers. He didn't fumble against the Bengals, right? Right, he did. Making no, sure no, he did not. No, he, he did yeah. fumble against the uh, Buccaneers, not not the Bengals. Just making sure I'm not like blending them together because they do start to blend together. <laughs> a little bit. But right, so that's encouraging. But you know, like I was saying earlier, we got to mention the defense at least a little bit before we jump forward to the Steelers because they were dominant. You know, and the Bengals, like like Croc said earlier, Andy Dalton threw for over 400 yards against the Seahawks, who their defense isn't what it used to be, but it's still very respectable. So for him to do that. I think everybody was ready for, for you know, kind of a potent offense to come around and kind of push the 49ers around, and they didn't at all. The 49ers defense looked in complete control, and I think my biggest kind of defensive shout-out, at least at the top of my list, has to go to Quan Alexander, who yeah. was all over the place, like which is awesome because he was booted against the Buccaneers for a, for a late hit on a sliding Jameis Winston. And he's already said it wasn't intentional, of course. And, you know, it it wasn't that big a deal. Um, But he was booted. But in the quarter or so that he was playing, he looked electric. He was all over the place. So to see him come out and play like that again against the Bengals is a really good sign in the fact that if he can consistently play that way, then the 49ers are edging their way back to a linebacking core that they can really rely upon. I'm not anywhere near mentioning them in the same sentence as the two linebackers everybody's thinking about right now. But I'm just saying that the fact that the 49ers seem like they can always find their way to having a couple of good linebackers, you know, whatever that combination is. And Fred Warner and Quan Alexander seem like they're, they're kind of firing on all cylinders right now. Um, Alexander. It was money well spent. I I, I mean, he he just jumps out. Isn't he like everything that you wanted Ruben Foster to be? Right. Yeah. I saw that a few times and, and it was, and obviously we got to see some outstanding games for Ruben Foster, but that fell apart real quick. And, and what Quan Alexander has that Ruben essentially never had was, is a leadership quality. And the fact that there are, I've seen even before his play, I've seen Quan Alexander's personality and what he brings to the locker room mentioned before of what he brings to the field. And that's not a knock on his playing ability whatsoever, obviously. I but, think he's raised the level of everybody. Not, not I don't think it's just the the linebacker group. I, I think he's kind of raised the level of, I think, just how we view 
49ers defense, right? I mean, they're playing fast, they're playing physical, and, you know, he's running around yelling and hitting people. And, um, you know, now, I'm, you know, I'm watching mic'd up and I, and I hear Fred Warner, you know, running around and yelling and, and talking trash to people while they're on the ground. Fred, Fred Warner was a super entertaining mic'd up. Like, dude, yeah. every play that guy's like, woo! Like, you know, sorry about the, the volume level there, but that dude is just freaking fired up, man. It was so fun to watch that. Yeah, so now I, I'm really excited about the linebacker group. You know, it, it sucks because, oh, man, it's just two games. But I, I think so far for me, I, I feel like when I envision what the 49ers should look like this year with the roster that the 49ers have, it, how they've played so far is what I envision. So it's kind of hard to not get ahead of myself, you know, because it's kind of what I expected. When I looked at the schedule, I said, you know what? Those first two games are very, very, very winnable games. Now, when they win it two games on the road, they didn't win a road game at all last year. Um, I, It was almost unrealistic to say, yeah, they're just going to go out there and win two games in the Eastern time zone. But they were very winnable, and they did win them. And then now you get to come home, get the crowd behind you, and you get to play against a Pittsburgh Steelers team that just lost their franchise quarterback. And... 49ers kind of, you know, coming off a game where they're firing on all cylinders. Did you uh, did you get a chance to look at the secondary and see how they were doing? Uh, no, I mean, I know who's there. I, I've actually been listening to a bunch of um, Steelers podcasts. No, no, no. The 49ers secondary against the Bengals. Like, oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I mean. Um, Can Spoon keep it up? I mean, you know, is he two they, for two? They are. They, it, it seems to me like they've just kind of gelled together. They're, you know, last year – so, okay, I'm trying not to go on the rant because, you know, I don't have much time right now. But a lot of what I heard all offseason was the 49ers did not address the secondary. Now, most people that follow me, um, that probably, you know, a lot of people that probably listen to this podcast as well, you know, I put out the mock draft right before the draft. I, I think it was like the morning of the first round. And, uh, you know, I put out a six-round mock draft or whatever, seven-round mock draft. And I, I didn't have the 49ers taking one defensive back. And people thought that was really weird. They were like, man, the secondary is terrible. Uh, you know, coverage grades and PFF are terrible. I'm just like, man, when the guys is going to come together, I think they have the right guys. It's just gelling, learning not to blow those assignments. And if, and if they can play without blowing uh, assignments, I, I think it's a really good or a solid secondary. And just because of how they also how they've addressed other things, I, I didn't think that they would. Um, attack secondary, but you know, going forward, you know, two games in now, they they seem like a very, uh, you know, a secondary that's that that's solid, and I think that that's that's going to continue. I, I don't think that it's a fluke. Now, yeah, they have to stay healthy. And there's a lot of guys that you know tend to get injured in that secondary, but if guys can just continue to kind of stay healthy, um, they can play. They can play, and a lot of people are surprised about Keller Witherspoon. Um, I'm not. I think he played very well. Uh, I, I I think the biggest difference to me, everybody says, like, confidence, oh, another year. Yeah, I, I don't think it's any of that. I, I think the the biggest thing, that I, the biggest difference I've seen with him is the willingness to trust his ability and take a risk. So when, when I say that, there was a deep comeback that he broke up against number 15 
on the Bengals. Willis, I believe his name was. He, And it was from a press bill. Uh, the guy had a two-way go, and it was a tight split. And he kind of just, like, throttled down and just trusted, you know what, this guy's about to sit. And the guy did sit, and Witherspoon broke up a ball where I think that play kind of speaks to the difference that he is. I, I think other people are seeing the pick six, uh, you know, some of the pass breakups down the sideline to Mike Evans. I mean, he, he's been doing stuff like that. But sitting on that curl route and and trusting his, his instincts, that that was the biggest difference that I've seen in his game so far. And, and that was really good. That was really good to see. Everything else I feel like, I mean, that, that's been Witherspoon. Um, you know, how he played last week, I, I think a lot of that, you know, he just hasn't been called for penalties like he was in the past. But the, the biggest difference – being able to break up that curl from a press bell, tight split, with a guy that has a two-way go, just kind of trust his abilities, that right there, that, that was the biggest difference I've seen in his game. Well, and I and, that, and it's it's good that you say that, too, because I couldn't quantify it. Obviously, I'm not near as much of a DB guy as you are. Um, I couldn't quantify it in training camp, but I just felt like I was watching a corner who, despite the fact that he'd have two kind of down years, uh, I just felt like I was watching the corner that was playing with so much more confidence and so much more swagger and just kind of trusting himself a little bit. Maybe he was overthinking in the past, and that happens. Football players will overthink things. They'll think of all the different things a receiver can do on a certain round, and they're spending too much time worrying about those instead of what the receiver is actually doing and just kind of sticking to their man. And, and all through training camp, Witherspoon was the only player that got a defensive player they got three interceptions in the three phases of training camp, which is one-on-one, seven-on-sevens, and 11-on-11. So I, I knew what I was watching wasn't just, you know, a guy who's good in training camp and is going gonna, is gonna, to, you know, take it down during the season. So it's it's been good to see him ball out because that's just what I was seeing in training camp. But I was, you know, after his first couple of years, he just didn't necessarily know what to expect. But he just seemed like he had so much confidence and he finally had found some space within him or within his abilities that he could just finally trust himself. And, and it's good that that's what you saw because that's just kind of what I was seeing throughout all of, of training camp. And right now Witherspoon is one of the defense's highest graded players. If you, uh, if you buy stock in PFF grades, Witherspoon's up there if, as like the highest or one of the highest graded players on defense. So he's been playing really well and him stepping up really kind of, takes a little bit of pressure off the 49ers front office and the fact that if Witherspoon can be that number two opposite Sherman and just kind of, you know, remove the fact that that side was a complete liability last year, then then that's what we're starting to see. The fact that the defense with this new pass rush and if both of these corners are, are, are playing well, then they're going to have success and they're already having success. It's just a matter of maintaining that and stacking those games. But before we keep going and before we touch on the Steelers, we got to get a couple words from our sponsors. There are countless ways to keep up on what's happening in the world of sports. But how are you supposed to read every great article? How are you supposed to watch every awesome highlight without losing time in your busy day? Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. Now coming to the stage, Axios Sports. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. Each morning you'll see the best stories from around the sports world from the NBA, NFL, to niche sports like cricket and ping pong. The email newsletter highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up. 
sports.axios.com. Axios Sports is clean, crisp, and gives you everything you need to know. Read it in five minutes in the elevator or discover a deep dive article while you're on the train to work. Or, who are we kidding, while you're at work. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the cool person sharing an amazing link with your friends and coworkers. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. Do yourself and your time a favor. Sign up for the Axios Sports Newsletter for free at sports.axios.com. And Axios is spelled A-X-I-O-S. Seriously, I subscribe to it and it makes me feel more informed without spending time clicking through websites, apps, and social media platforms. Again, try to for free 99 at sports.axios.com. And lastly, we have Roman. We all know that guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whatever, whenever it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment will be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to a doctor. ED can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. So with that being said, the 49ers have the Steelers this week. They are coming home to Levi's Stadium. This is their home opener. They're riding a ton of momentum. They're 2-0. and They're starting, you know, confidence is a huge thing on the football field. And the 49ers have a ton of it right now. So, and, and I, you can guarantee the Levi's Stadium is going to be popping. Um, it'll be a sight to see. What do you think of Croc, man? What, what, what first comes to your mind, whether it's coming from the, the 49ers roster or the Steelers roster? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? for week three could be positive negative worrisome what do you what do you got so i i think so there there are a couple things that i'm i I guess slightly worried about um or you know i kind of have you know question marks about one i'm a little bit more worried about and then i have one suggestion all right so so the two things i'm kind of worried about obviously left tackle right you know joe staley's out and you have justin school who didn't play well throughout preseason um, now you have a big task of protecting the blind side of your franchise quarterback. Can he do that? We really have no idea. And Pittsburgh has a solid defense. Now, for, you know, yeah, they're 0-2. Um, they lost their starting quarterback. But they have some guys, you know, Bud Dupree, um, TJ Watt. They have some guys that have a good interior rush. They have some guys that can get after the quarterback. And coming off of that left of the 49ers left in now, can they can skull, you know, protect our, our quarterback's blind side? Or, you know, are the 49ers gonna leave Kittle into chip? 
you know, or running backs in to kind of chip the edge and kind of slow them down. If so, that kind of takes away from some of the things that the 49ers want to do with all of the play actions and things like that. Now, maybe play action helps slow down the, 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 the pass rush, but that, that's one big issue that I have uh, or concern. Um, the other thing is, oh, and if, if he isn't blocking, that speeds up Garoppolo's time clock. And Garoppolo is very good. He's been really good, one of the better quarterbacks against the blitz. But being good against the blitz, something that you kind of see coming and you're able to kind of hit the guy that's open and being good under pressure are two different things. And I think he's prone to throw some bad passes under pressure. So he hasn't been under pressure in the first two games, really, still throwing a couple bad passes. Um, I'd be curious to see how he plays if Skull isn't you know, blocking well. And then on the other side, it's Kawan Williams, who I think Kawan Williams was one of the 49ers probably most consistent defensive backs last year, even really over the last two years that he's been there. And he just didn't look good against the uh, Bengals. Now, maybe it was just bad matchup. You know, he was trying to guard John Ross, super quick, speedy guy. Um, the Steelers don't have a guy like that. So I think maybe this would be a better matchup for someone like him. But... Um, that, that would be my other concern. And, and then it's just as far as, like, advice or kind of what I would do. At the end of the day, man, the Steelers are playing a rookie quarterback. You have to throw the kitchen sink at him. Not a rookie quarterback, but this is his first start, first career start. He's He, he has been there. So it's not like it's somebody that just doesn't know what's going on. He's been there for two years now. This is his second year, right, or third? I think it's his second. Yeah, I, I believe it's his second. I, I think they drafted him last year, year, and they drafted uh, Dobbs right. the year before. So, right. you know, you have somebody that's in his second year. He's familiar with the system, the scheme, things that they want him to do, don't want him to do. He's been seeing Ben Roethlisberger play. I actually think that they'll play more within the confines of the offense because Ben Roethlisberger kind of, like, just ad-libs a lot of things, probably maybe, maybe even more so than he has to. Um, so... But it, it's still his first start. So I'm, I'm throwing the kitchen sink at him. I'm throwing everything I have at him. I'm sending guys from every which way. I'm disguising things. I'm confusing him. And we've seen around the league some young guys struggle, um, you know, early on with guys confusing him. I mean, I just watched Simeon and, and Folk from the Jets just look terrible because of how – the Browns were disguising things and sending guys and having pressure and Miles Garrett having a really good game. You know, 49ers have the guys to do it. Send the house at this guy, man, and make him work for everything. I wouldn't just sit back and just, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to cover. Cause I think that's, that's something that he'll excel at. That's, that's what he did in college, right? You know, he was in the big 12 playing at Oklahoma state. They don't have um, super intricate defenses that they're going up against. So if, if, if I'm the 49ers, send the house, speed up his time clock, and get him to throw some passes into spots and areas that he probably shouldn't. Right, yeah. And so so Mason Rudolph, and I, and I believe he stepped in at the second half, or if it wasn't right at the start of the second half, it was either the end of the second quarter or the beginning of the third. So he came in, and he threw more passes than Ben Roethlisberger had in that game. Ben Roethlisberger threw 15 passes, Rudolph threw 19 um, he completed 12 of them for 63%, 112 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. So it wasn't necessarily that he came in and played bad by any means. So, and you know, what's interesting about that is there's nothing saying that out there saying that Mason Rudolph is going to be outstanding 
when he comes to Levi's Stadium. But there's also nothing saying that he's not. He doesn't have a, they don't the 49ers are basically as far as tape goes, they're trying to study Mason Rudolph. They're going to have the 19 passes that he threw against the the Seahawks last Sunday and they're going to have whatever action he put on tape throughout the preseason. So they're not going to have a lot of film to go off, which is, you know, obviously it's because Rudolph is inexperienced and which is its own negative, but at the same time it kind of benefits them a little bit. You know, they might try be trying to do things and give the 49ers looks that the 49ers haven't seen before. So um, it'll be interesting in that fact, but to me, the advantage still weighs in favor of the 49ers defense. You know, they've, they've gone against two very experienced quarterbacks. I'm not, I'm not saying they were, that Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton were great quarterbacks, but he's gone against two experienced quarterbacks and they've been able to capitalize on their mistakes. So you would think that to your point, Croc, that they're going to be able to capitalize on Rudolph's inevitable mistakes. He's going to make mistakes. It's just a matter of, of how costly those are and what the 49ers can, can generate from them. I would expect the Steelers to, implement kind of a um, you know a pretty simple passing game I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of you know dump offs to James Conner because everything seems like he did get injured in the last game um, but it seems like he's going to be able to go everything I was seeing saying he was going to be okay right. so you know and, he, and he's a threat you know he was the guy that kind of came in uh, in lieu of Le'Veon Bell and, and the Steelers offense never skipped a beat so I think they're going to implement a lot with them and trying to just get Rudolph comfortable. I don't, you know, I don't expect them to be super aggressive with the passing game, but, and, and that goes to your point is, is if that's the case, then and the big question mark right now is, is D Ford going to play uh, the 49ers pass rusher is still dealing with some, you know, some knee pain, tendonitis. Uh, Shanahan apparently is comp- optimistic, you know, cautiously this optimistic. That else. Like, I don't think it was just a tendonitis. He like stepped. That's away. what they're calling it right now, but. Yeah, he like stepped right. weird. It, it was he was coming right. off of the left edge, and he kind of like stepped like kind of funny. It almost looked like he possibly like hyperextended his knee a little bit. Um, yeah, and he was out after that. So yeah, I, I know he was dealing with the tendonitis throughout training camp. I think this is something different. But it could if, be. if Shanahan is be. optimistic that he's gonna play, that's that's a win for the 49ers. And, and, and you know, you Blair, Blair had a huge game. So I think the 49ers, I mean, the way he's kind of set up, they have so much D-line depth. Maybe you don't need Ford out there every single play. No, and Blair's been good going all the way through last season and even the season before that. When And you got to think about the production he's put out there. He had five sacks last season, and he's not seeing, seeing near as many snaps as any of these other guys. So Blair is kind of, you know, he's a very, very – you know, he's a quality backup and, and I would like to see them get him, give him a little bit more burn just to see what he can do with more time. Cause he's a well-rounded dude. He plays the run pretty well and, and he, and he can put it on against the passers. So, and that's coming from a defense defensive perspective from the offensive perspective. Their biggest X factor is like Croc said is Justin Skull and what he's going to be able to handle. And the Steelers are going to know that this is a brand new rookie, sixth round rookie that barely made the roster that struggled during the preseason against guys that didn't even make the 53 man roster. So, you know, they're going to throw everything at him. But the thing on the flip side, the 49ers know that they're going to throw everything at that guy. So Shanahan, if there's anybody on earth that could make that his advantage in some way, whether that's basically letting him come on through throwing screens to, to breed and mustard or, or whatever, you know, I'm assuming that the, the offense is going to have a lot more quick passing game implemented into it than it normally does, just to be, just so the ball's out of Garoppolo's hands and whatever pressure that they were going to get along the left side um, isn't as impactful. So we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe school shows up 
does his job and, and it's not that big of a factor. But to me, that's the biggest consideration with the offense is adapting to the fact that Joe Staley's no longer over there. I'm assuming you're going to see George Kittle, Levine Toilolo, uh, you know, a running back, like you were saying, chipping, tight end there to help, you know, all, everything they can do to just take the load off of that rookie because that is, you know, the biggest weak point of that offense right now. And it's really unfortunate considering how incredible that offense looked last week uh, that they would have the, a, a big chink in their armor this early on. But it's just something they're going to have to adapt to and they're going to figure it out. Now, one of the things I was listening to uh, Chris Biederman and Kyle Manson on the uh, Candlestick Chronicles podcast, also of the Blue Wire Network, they were talking about the fact that they were wondering if Justin School is even going to play uh, because they thought the 49ers might pursue a trade with another offensive lineman around the re- league or, sh- or sign a, a veteran free agent or something. You know, obviously that those options aren't amazing, but, you know, there is a chance that they, you know, whether that's tomorrow or the next day, they would have to do it soon if they want to get a guy out there that's going to be able to step out there and know what the plays are you know, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, there is this, the off chance that, you know, they, they bring in somebody else that they have a bit more confidence in, but it's going to be interesting. You know, the, the Steelers, um, I believe their last game, you know, their last game was against the Seahawks and they almost beat the Seahawks. Again, that's the second close win for the Seahawks. They lost, uh, the Steelers lost 28, 26. Um, I believe it was in Pittsburgh and, you know, that's that's just one of those things where obviously the, I don't, wouldn't say that I think the Seahawks are still a good team. So the, the Steelers, even with one half of Roethlisberger and one half of Rudolph, were still able to make it a game. And I think all the same people that you saw step up against the Bengals are need going to have an equally good game against the Steelers if they want to get to 3-0. and um, it's it's going to be interesting to just see how they can replicate and build upon this success and what else they're going to throw out there to keep these uh, defenses on their hills. Because I would venture to say, I don't have all the stats and metrics in front of me, but the Steelers are probably the most competent defense that this team's faced uh, so far this season, you know, and with, with TJ Watt and Bud Dupree kind of leading that group as far as the pass rush goes. So, um, before we close it out, Croc, you got any, any final thoughts on, on the 49ers coming back to Levi's? Man, I, I, I'm just excited to be there and, and, you know, kind of. Are you going to be there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be there. And, and I'll say this, um, my, my final thoughts on this, and then we'll, I'll touch on Jalen Ramsey a little bit too, <laughs> but. Um, oh yeah. We can't, can't forget about that. Right. Um, but I think the first two games, the, the way I looked at them were if you aspire to be a playoff team, wild card team, whatever, in the playoff race in December, those are two games that you kind of have to win. Now you have Pittsburgh coming in to, you know, coming all the way to the West Coast where they haven't played well. They haven't played well all on the West Coast. They haven't played well against the Fort Niners on the West Coast. Um, you have a team coming in here without their starting quarterback, um, a new safety. They lost uh, their starting safety, and now they have Minka Fitzpatrick, who's only been there a few days. This is another game where if you aspire to be that team, you have to win it. You have to win it. So um, I don't think I'm going to have like a prediction on, you know, score or anything like that. I know the 49ers are like six or six and a half point um, favorites. Yeah, six and a half but point favorites. Whatever, sure. whatever you have to do, you have to come out of this game 3-0 and heading into the bye week because this is a game against an undermanned a team that just lost their starting quarterback and you have a guy starting for the first time in his career, you have to if you have to win this game. You well not to, to mention the fact that you can't you can't go on the road and win two road games in very convincing fashion and then come home 
for your first home game of the year and then lose to a team starting a backup quarterback. Right. It doesn't matter how good that team is. If those are the circumstances, if you can go out on the road to start the season and win convincingly, and then you get your first home game of the year, you've got to win that. Otherwise, that would all that momentum that they build up would instantly vanish. And right. there would be there would be so many I told you so's around the league. Uh, that the 49ers just don't need to hear right now. So to, to your point, it's it's a must-win game for them. Right. Now, now as far as Jalen Ramsey goes, so Tell him. I, I, I was on I was on I was on board with the whole oh we don't need him. The secondary is playing well. 49ers are playing extremely well. Um, the defense and everybody looks like they're gelling together. Don't bring in anything that's going to change the dynamics of that. Um, what about money? You have to play pay Buckner, Kittle. All these guys are going to need new contracts. You know, yada yada yada. Right. And then I watched him against DeAndre Hopkins. and Who I think is the best receiver in the NFL. Right. They, they just played this past weekend. And it just reminded me about how special of a talent this guy is. He's a premier cornerback in the league. Is he going to get beat here and there? Yes, because he always follows the number one receiver. He was on DeAndre Hopkins pretty much every single snap of that game. Hopkins was targeted several times, shallow routes, deep routes, intermediate routes, and step for step right there with him was Ramsey making him work for every single inch, every single yard. And I think he's the type of player, you look at the 49ers right now, 2-0, chance to go 3-0, going into the bye week with um, you know two weeks to prepare for the Cleveland Browns. If you add a guy like Ramsey, you just make it work. But he 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 legitimately makes your team not just good, but he 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 gives you a Super Bowl caliber type defense, right? Right now, yeah, Four Niners are playing well, and it's like, okay, could it be? But you add a guy like him who can erase teams opposing wide receiver ones, or at least make it extremely difficult for guys. You, that that changes the entire dynamic. Of, like, okay, just, next week, right? You got Odell Beckham coming in. I'm scared as hell. Who, who's going to go out Odell? You know? But you had Jalen Ramsey. You, you sounded scared when you said that, bro. You, who's going to go out Odell? Yeah. But you added Jalen Ramsey, and now I was like, okay, let's go. Let's, let's well, go. and to me, and to, to add to that, and I'm, I'm not nearly as much on the Jalen Ramsey. I, okay. Preface this. I know how good he is. But it's just a matter of circumstances and how much the Jaguars are going to want and how much money he's going to want. And, it, and I agree with you. I agree with you. But there's only like maybe, what, what would you say, 10 to 15, maybe 20 players in the NFL that you can legitimately say, if you have this player, you will probably win one or two more games a year because this guy is on your team. You know, whether that's, you know, whether that's breaking up a big play or, or making a big play, whatever it is. And I think Jalen Ramsey is one of those guys. Right. He's going to cost you an arm and a leg. The 49ers would have to give up at least a first round pick to get him. You know, that might mean, I don't know, letting go. You're going to, you'd have to go let go of some quality players. You know, that might mean letting somebody like Buckner or Kittle walk. Who knows? Cause he, he's going to come in. So. I think you, I mean, I've been looking at the Cowboys and I keep thinking, oh, they can't sign this guy, but the Cowboys are signing everybody. So, right. Right. Um, Everybody just always, I think you, know, you just salary cap is a myth. I think you just make it work. You right. Make it right. Work. Well, it's, and it's to your defense. It's not that you need a defense. It's just, it doesn't matter what your situation is. 
there's 31 other teams in this league that could use Jalen Ramsey. And everybody going for it. Look at the teams that have been linked to him. The, the Seahawks, the um, the Eagles, the Chiefs. These are teams that go for it. The, the Eagles are going for it. Whether they make it or not or whatever, they're, they're in the mix. The, well, and that's, and that's kind of what everybody was saying about the Rams like two years ago. Like they were signing everybody and trading for everybody. And everybody was like, well, if they don't win the Super Bowl, that's a waste. Well, no, they didn't win the Super Bowl, but they got there. Right. And they were in the show and they put up a good fight against the Patriots who obviously been dominating everybody. So, you know, the the proof is out there that you can invest in these guys. And, you know, if even if you're right up against that salary cap, it, it will pay off on the field. So, you know, I think that Jalen Ramsey has a ton of – you know, if you're coming up with a, a graph of positive and negatives or chart, I think there's a lot on either side of it. But anyway, in your case, I think the positives might might outweigh the negatives in, in quite a bit of form. And the fact okay. that you're just getting a, a, a legendary football player, you know, yeah. one of the absolute best that there is right now. With that being said, I think we're – are we wrapping this up, Croc? You think we're ready? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're ready. We're overtime. We always go overtime on on me and Croc's episode of the Striking Gold. Kevin could get mad, but he's by himself over there on Sunday evenings. It's me and Croc. We have way more thoughts. It's both right. of us. We need our time. But but anyways, as always, I just want to give a shout out to everybody listening right now. I really appreciate it. Uh, obviously, we wouldn't be able to be here and do this without you guys listening. So I appreciate it. Um, drop me a line on Twitter at Rob underscore louder, L-O-W-D-E-R. Um, hit up Crocker at Eric underscore Crocker. Say what's up. Let us know you're listening. If any of you guys ever have a question, just send it to us. Say, hey, on the next Striking Gold, can you uh, can you talk about this? And, and we'd be more than happy to. You can do that anytime. Um, but again, thanks for listening. Um, you are listening to Striking Gold, and we are signing off. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.